Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Over Christmas, I spent time with my family and while I was doing so, I saw my uncle, who I don't see him all that often, but I was chatting with him, and he told me that he'd made a new purchase in his life, and he'd invested in an electric bicycle. I don't know if any of you have ever rode an electric bike. I, I've never rode one myself, but he was uh, preaching the wonders of this bicycle to me. He was telling me about all the bike rides that he'd been on. He'd got in the habit now of whenever uh, he was going anywhere, whenever he was going to see uh, my mum and dad, whenever he was going to the shops, uh, he, he would go on the bike now instead of in his car. In addition to this, he'd got in the habit of riding his bike for pleasure, which he'd not done for decades. He just said, today, I'm going on a bike ride. And he would do these routes that he, uh, when he was a young lad, he'd ride uh, these routes on his bike then, uh, full of energy, full of strength, full of vigour. Now he's he's older and just hasn't been able uh, to do that. He didn't have the strength in his legs. He didn't have the stamina in his body. Uh, And he said, now I've got this electric bike, everything is different. I can go further than I've ever been before. I can go faster than I've ever been before. Riding this bike doesn't weary me in the way it used to. And I was thinking, as my uncle was telling me all about this bike, whether perhaps this was a picture of the Christian life that many of us live. Like my uncle, before he got this bike, if he did try and go on a ride, it was hard work. It was frustrating work. He'd see where he'd want to go and yet something in him would be like, I I just can't do it. I can't get there. I can't sustain the pace that I'd love to be able to go at. I don't have the power to get where I want to go. The whole thing, it just exhausts me. I can't do what I want to do. And yet he didn't even know, and I didn't know, and perhaps many of us didn't know, that there was a different way, that there was a kind of power available. It was only when I heard my uncle tell me, no, that there's a better way than slogging up these hills and then having to stop and walk halfway up pushing the thing because you can't do it. There's a better way. There's more power available. There is something that if this was in your life, the whole thing would be transformed. You can go with more vibrancy. You can go in a way that you're not destined to try and fail, but there's a power to put to work. I thought perhaps there's an illustration in that. I might use it in a sermon, so there you go. But isn't that the way we do it with the Christian life? We try and live by our own strength. We read what the Bible says and we think, yeah, okay, I can do that. And so we try and do it. And then for whatever reason, we don't quite live up to it. We fall short of these grand resolutions that we've set. Maybe it's an apt week of the year to talk about resolutions and not keeping them, because I'm sure many of us have had that experience at the start of the year. Yeah, I'm back on track with God now. Download Bible reading app, Bible in a year. There we go. 
We don't keep the resolutions. We may, I wonder if you've had this experience. You've heard a really inspiring sermon. You've heard someone preach what the life of a follower of God can be and something in you just going, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to apply all this stuff. And then, for whatever reason, as the week goes on, as you hit midweek and you go into your community group, that same level of fire maybe just isn't quite there. The following Sunday, it's forgotten. I wonder if you've had the experience of reading a Christian book that set this vision before you and you're recommending it to everyone for about a fortnight and then two or three months later you've forgotten all the things you've learned from it and you're not doing it anymore. I wonder if you ever had a chat with a friend and been inspired about what God's doing in their life and wishing that you'd see that same kind of transformation in your life and it's just never happened for you. Maybe you've had all of these experiences And then you've opened up your Bible and you've started reading Romans chapter 7, verses 19 and 20. And it's jumped out of the page at you and said, yeah, this is going to be my life verse, uh, where it says, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And you see, yeah, I'll claim that one. That's, That's the description of how things are for me. And so we get caught in this cycle, don't we? We we, we get kind of convicted, we get motivated, we get inspired, whatever it may be, we want to live for God. And then we we end up not quite living out. But the thing is with that cycle is each time we go round that cycle, it becomes a little bit more frustrating, a little bit more demoralising, a little bit more depressing. Like, why... Why bother? I've done this before. I've heard this kind of vision before. I've, heard, I've made these resolutions before. It never changes. Nothing ever works. I'll just end up back in the cycle. And so we end up just demotivated from going near it. Here's what I want to preach about this morning. What is the way out of that cycle? How do we get out of that? If we've been around that again and again and again, is there a way out? Well, I believe there is. There's a promise in the Old Testament In Ezekiel, uh, chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. And this is what God promises. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's the promise. The author Paul Tripp, he reflected on it like this. Change is possible. You can stand amid the harshest realities of sin and have hope that will never disappoint you. That marriage can change. That teenager can change. That church can change. That friendship can change. That bitterness can be put to death, that compulsion can be broken, and that fear can be defeated. People can have power without being corrupt. Homes can be places of safety, love and healing. Change is possible because the king has come. And that verse I read out for you in Romans, that wasn't meant to be kind of a a proclamation verse over the Christian life. That was Paul setting up a problem. He said, "Here's, here's a bit of an issue And then he goes on to give us the answer to that issue. At the end of that chapter, he says, who will deliver me from this body 
of death, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, he's saying this is the problem, but in Jesus, there's a solution. So we're going to pick it up now in Romans chapter 8, which is where we're going to be looking uh, for the next few weeks. And I'm going to read the first four verses of the chapter this morning. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So he started out by dealing with condemnation. He says, look, if you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. I want to say that this morning. If you feel like I've been around this cycle too many times, I've made a resolution to follow God, but I've stumbled, I've sinned, I've done wrong, I've done it again and again and again. Let me say to you, there is no condemnation. Jesus took all of that and went to the cross so that you could be free and stand before God free. You need to know that. And then he says, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, the law of sin and death is this cycle that we've been talking about where you keep on going back to sin and death again and again and again. It's like you can't escape it. He's saying by the spirit, there's freedom from that. God has done what the law cannot do. And at the end of verse four, he said, it's in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So that's our title for today, Walk according to the Spirit. That's the instruction we're given. Now, last week, uh, Colin started off this series on the Holy Spirit by teaching us about what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I wasn't around. I was at the Heaton site. But, but Colin tells me he, he did very well. He tells me it was a very good sermon. He tells me you all get it now and that you've all been filled with the Spirit and it, it's groovy. So we'll, we'll, we'll work on that basis. This follows on from that. The idea is that God wants to fill us. God wants to meet with us. It's a thing when we read through the book of Acts, we see time and time again, it talks about how the Holy Spirit filled the believers. Let me give you a little image so you get what being filled with the Spirit is about. It's not pouring water into a cup or a bottle. That's not the way the image works. The word for spirit, it's the same word as breath or wind. So it's like being filled with a, with a gust of wind. I don't know if you ever did this thing as a child where um, you'd go to the top of a hill on a windy day and you'd take your coat, you'd leave your arms in the sleeves, but then you'd take the corners of it and you'd hold it up over your head <laughs> and you'd let your coat be filled with this wind. And if you got a good hill and a good gust of wind, you'd be moved along by the power of the wind. It would propel you. The momentum of it would carry you wherever the wind was going. That's the image of being filled with the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God is moving. And it's like we've raised our cup and we've caught the gust of what God's doing in the world. And so his presence and power moves us in all the things that he's doing. We get blown along by the Spirit of God. 
And then this week is kind of following on from that. Okay, so the spirit is filling us. So what do we do? How do we live as people who are filled with the spirit of God? And this chapter, Romans 8, Paul explores all sorts of things, what it means for our mind, what it means for our holy living, how, we, uh, how we're led by the Spirit, how we pray in the Spirit, and, and explores all these different aspects of it. But he starts with this cover-all term, walk according to the Spirit. And the word walk in this, it, it's a metaphor for all of life. Live your life, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I remember... When I was first filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you uh, the story. It was about nine months after I first became a Christian. Uh, and what had happened is uh, I'd signed up to go to this summer camp down on the south coast. I was a university student at the time. A friend of mine uh, who'd been going along to this camp for a few years had said, why don't you come along with us? So I agreed to do so. And I saw that they were doing baptisms there. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm up for getting baptised. I've become a Christian. I haven't yet done it. So I got baptised at this camp. But I remember I was on this um, mega bus on the way down there. And I was trying to read my Bible. And I'd started reading the Bible when I became a Christian in Genesis because I didn't really uh, kind of have a Bible reading notes. But I, was, I start at the beginning and I'll read and I'll see how I get. And I was reading, I think it was in Numbers. I hadn't got very far over that nine months. I just remember feeling quite convicted about how little in my life had actually changed. You know, I'd not read much of the Bible. I'd not really developed much of a prayer life. Most of the things that I'd been doing before I was a Christian, I was still doing. I was like, you know, God's challenging me here. I think I'd stop swearing. I think that was the one, like, change that had happened over the nine months. But it was very little to show any kind of work of God in my life. I was feeling kind of a bit of a conviction moment on this. Now that wasn't the first time that I felt convicted about this stuff. I, over the previous months, quite a few times I'd feel God challenging me about this area of life or that area of life or this habit or that habit or what I'm doing here and what I'm not doing here. And I tried, I, I, I really had tried. I really had said, I'm going to do better. Okay, God, yeah, you've spoken to me about this. Yeah, okay, I, I will live differently. And I entered that cycle we talked about and nothing changed in my life, I even tried accountability. I was like, hey, I'll get some friends. I'll tell them what I want to change. And then I'll meet them next week and tell them that I haven't changed in those areas. And that will make all the difference. And it didn't. Now, what happened on this occasion, having had this kind of conviction on this megabus, then I got down to the summer camp and there was this kind of morning baptism thing. It was actually the hottest day of the last decade and it was outdoor it was in a skip full of ice cold water it was glorious it was amazing I got baptized and then that evening there was a worship gathering and someone did some teaching I can't remember what they were speaking about but I do remember that there was uh, during the singing there was a bit of ministry time and People were praying for other people and some people were praying for me and started prophesying over me. And I remember the Spirit of God just meeting with me in a way that I hadn't known before. And I was starting to articulate my praises to God. And I knew something had shifted in my life. And then what happened off the back of that is all the stuff that on the bus I'd been starting to, to feel convicted about, actually things did start to change. New habits were formed in my life. I, I started to pray and actually stick with it. I started to read my Bible and stick with it. Some of the stuff that I had been doing, I, I stopped doing and things were changing in my life. There'd been a power to actually live this life and uh, follow through in 
these commitments I was making. I was able to walk according to the Spirit, live my life by Him. And it didn't happen by focusing on, right, I'm doing this thing, this is the bad thing, all my focus is on the bad thing. It was that my eyes had been lifted to Jesus. I had a new vision of him. My, my life was focused around him. And so my attention was less on some of the other stuff. And that's how change happened. I don't know if you've ever seen the delayed gratification experiments that are often done on children. They're good fun. If you've got children, try them on your kids. It's, it basically works like this. You get a child, about four years old is the ideal age. You set them up in a room. You have a hidden camera to see what they do. Or you have a marshmallow. Uh, you put the marshmallow in front of the kid. And you say, right, here's the deal. I'm going to leave the room for 10 minutes. And there's a marshmallow here. And if you would like to, you can eat the marshmallow. There's, you, you won't be in trouble. It's yours if you want it. However, if in 10 minutes' time when I come back, you've not eaten the marshmallow, if it's still there... You can have it and another marshmallow. So there's two if you can wait. And then they film the kids and see what they do and how they use their 10 minutes. And really, there are two different tactics that the kids use. Now, some of the kids, the, the camera picks up, what they try and do is get as close as they possibly can to eating the marshmallow without eating the marshmallow. So they'll be sitting right in front of it. They'll be staring at it. Their eyes are on it. Some of them will go as far as to pick up the marshmallow and feel its texture in their hands. Some of them give it a little sniff, get that marshmallowy aroma into their nose. Some of them lick the marshmallow. <laughs> One of them burrowed into the marshmallow, took a bit of marshmallow out of the middle of it, and then tried to reseal <laughs> the edge of the marshmallow, thinking they wouldn't get caught. Inevitably, all of those kids who were trying those tactics, at some point in that 10 minutes, their willpower gave, and they'd kind of been drawn in by the allure of the marshmallow. And so they'd eaten the thing. There was another group of kids, though, who their tactics were very different. They didn't really pay the marshmallow any attention. It's like, fine, there's a marshmallow in the room, but my toys are over there. I'm going to go and play with my toys. I'm not so bothered about this thing. And their hearts and their minds went elsewhere. Something had a greater allure for them than the marshmallow did. So they paid it no heed, and then the parent came back and said, oh, yeah, the marshmallow thing, cool, I'll have two marshmallows. And they didn't give in to the temptation. The whole point of that is the way you make progress in these areas that you want to change isn't by focusing on, here's the thing, and I'm going to see if I can avoid it while staring intently and giving it all my life focus. It's our hearts are transformed. The Spirit points our attention to Jesus. We have a new focus on him. Our life revolves around something else. And that gives the other thing a, a damp and a lesser appeal. So we don't want to go that way. Shante Grosset says about walking with the Spirit. She says, walking with the Spirit or keeping in step with the Spirit is the simple antidote to many of the struggles with sin and temptation that we experience as Christians. Walking by the Spirit does not mean we won't be tempted, but the Spirit gives us the power to choose Christ rather than submitting to our temptations. Now, when I think about that cycle and the amount of times I've been round it, I want that power to choose Christ rather than to give in. Paul says something similar in Galatians 5. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And then later in that chapter, after kind of outlining some examples of what it's like to live by the flesh, some examples of what the fruit of the spirit is, quite a famous passage, he says, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Keep in step with the spirit. So think about if you're walking with someone, you're taking a walk in the park with a friend. As you're walking together, have you ever noticed that your steps line up? You start walking at the same pace. You, you start taking a step as they take a step. You're in sync together as you're walking with someone. Another way to think of this might be to think of an army. You know, like as soldiers march together, they're in step with each other. They all take their steps at the same moment. And often that's guided by uh, some kind of musician, maybe a drummer, who's beating out a rhythm and everyone's marching to the rhythm of that drum. The, the, that's the image here, like the Holy Spirit is like the drummer who beats out the rhythm for our life and we're to keep in step with him. As he speaks, as we're led by him, so we take the step. As we hear him speak again, we take the next step. As he's guiding us, as he's marching, so we walk to that beat. As we think about the Holy Spirit, my first mind, my mind when I first heard about this series and we started thinking about it, I went straight to the supernatural stuff. I was thinking, yeah, great, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. I want to see people healed. I want to see prophetic words abound. I really do want to see that stuff. The more I think about it, the more I realise that this is the source of all that. That if we want to see those things happening, if we want to see the spectacular works of the Spirit, We need to learn to walk with the Spirit, each one of us, day by day by day. Hear what he wants to do. Be tuned into how the Spirit is working and step out with him. Today, I want to highlight three practices in particular that I think are really helpful for walking with the Spirit. Here's the first one, that we listen to what the Spirit's saying, that we listen to the Spirit. There are lots of ways that the Holy Spirit speaks. But what I have in mind today is like the the active, the now guidance of God, where you just know in your soul, yeah, the Spirit is saying this thing to me right now. I don't know if you've ever had the experience when you're reading your Bible, that you're reading a passage that's quite familiar to you, that you've read numbers of times before, and yet you read it and it's like it jumps out of the page in a way that you've just never seen before it comes alive to you in a way you've never really read that passage and taken it in before maybe a particular verse or a particular idea and you just know yeah God's using this to speak to me right now that's the kind of thing I mean or maybe it's in your prayer time the spirit's nudging you in a certain direction in a certain to, to take a certain step that will help you to grow I remember a couple of years ago I'd had a few dreams and God doesn't really speak to me in dreams. It's not a way that uh, God tends to to speak to me. He does speak to other people that way. But I I just reflected on the fact that about three or four nights in a row, I'd had a dream about the past, about different parts of my life. And they weren't all the same bits. So some of them, I was a bit older, some a bit younger, but just different things that had happened to me. And I started thinking, why do I keep dreaming about the past and about what's happened in my life so far. And I just felt a nudge from the Spirit, just inside me, this sense that God was saying to me, Tom, I I want you to spend some time praying over your life story so far. So, okay, I can do that. That's a 
Um, it's something I've never done before. I've, I've been quite fast moving from one thing to the next thing to the next. I've never really reflected on the whole story. Okay, I can pray into this. So each day what I did is I just took like a, a chapter of my life and said, okay, I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to um, pray. I'm going to reflect on what, what was God doing in my life at that moment? How was God working at that moment in time? What do I want to give thanks for? What do I want to uh, maybe be challenged by? about it. So I did that over a number of days. And then on the first one, I was reflecting on my childhood and was thinking about as a kid, I was so energetic and passionate and always kind of exuberant with ideas. And at the moment in time that this was happening, I was like, hang on, that doesn't really describe me anymore. I've become a bit lazy, a bit lethargic. I've become a bit jaded, and so seeing this, it, it, it was more than just like, I'm an adult now, I was a kid then. There, there was more to it than that. I was like, God, I want some of this back. I want some of this energy back that I used to have. And so it started me reflecting, okay, well, maybe to get that energy back, maybe I need to think about the pattern of my life. Maybe I need to exercise more. Maybe I need to eat better. Maybe I need to think, what are the things that can give me the energy? And then having gain some physical energy. It's like, okay, that really helps me actually engage with God in my prayer times. Now I've got more alertness. I've got more vibrancy. I can pray in a different way. I can hear God in a different way. Hearing God in a different way then had ripple effects because God was challenging different areas of my life. That's just a little illustration of that initial thing of just that little nudge from the Spirit. Hey, why don't you pray into the different seasons of your life? Responding to what God was saying to me then it led to another thing. It led to another thing. It's like the drumbeat of the Spirit, isn't it? Each one leads to the next, leads to the next. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. You know, the Holy Spirit's always ready to speak to us. Sometimes the issue is just, are we ready to hear him or not? So how do we listen to the Spirit? Number one, right, ask him to speak. Do you ever just say, Holy Spirit, would you just speak to me? Would you give me some words? I, I want to walk in step. Where are you taking me? Maybe deliberately create some time and some space to hear God. You know, in your prayer times every day, when you meet with God, when you have those prayer times, do you have any kind of plan for them? Do you think this is what I'm going to do? Or is it like, right, prayer time, hmm, let's pray about some stuff, hear some stuff, pray, 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 I'm done. <coughs> It's good to have a plan. It's good to think, what do I want to do with that time? There's a whole set of things that when I pray each day, I actually want to spend some time doing this thing. And one of them is just set some time apart to listen to what the Spirit's saying to me, where I'm not saying anything, where I'm not doing anything, where I'm not going after anything, just to listen. Now, what I found is that when I do this and set the time apart, I find I do hear God more but not always at the time that I've set aside for it. It's like God doesn't always want to be boxed in. It's like, oh, right, this, this is my time to talk, is it? I find sometimes I'm hearing God more when I'm praying and actually, like, saying stuff, or when I'm not in my prayer time, when I'm just going about doing stuff. But I think there is a correlation. I think something about the intentionality of setting time apart, and in, uh, just deliberately I want to listen to God. It makes a difference. Also, clear out some background noise in life. We just live in a society that we, we fill every moment with background noise. We're walking to someone's house. Yeah, I'll stick a podcast on. We're, we're working, but we also have a YouTube video in the background. We fill so much noise. It's good to just create a bit of 
space in the background. Often I find God works in that. So listen to the Spirit. Then come to rely on the Spirit. Rely on him in everything that we do. John Piper said, walk by the Spirit means do what you do each day by the Spirit. Live your life in all its details from waking up in the morning until going to sleep at night by the enabling power of the Spirit. Honestly, I think this one is really challenging for us as a people, us today in our world, because by and large, we're pretty able. By and large, I'm talking to a group full of people who've got skills, who know how to get stuff done, and who have resources and can make things happen. And so the tendency that we have is to think, well, I'm trained up, I'm experienced by my abilities, by my resources, by the things I can buy, by the things I can do, I'll get by just fine. And that holds us back from relying on the Spirit of God. I don't know if you ever feel like that. Like you just feel like you're competent. You can make your days work as you want them to work. And of course, the downside in that is if we only rely on our own strengths, then the maximum output we'll get from it is the maximum that we can achieve, which is less than we think. In Revelation 3, Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, for you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing, not realising you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. Often the, the high impression we have of our own abilities doesn't quite match how things truly are as a spiritual reality. When Paul went to Corinth, you know, he, he said, I didn't come with words of wisdom. I could have done all the kind of Greek rhetoric and impressive, flashy, charismatic public speaking. I didn't lean on any of that. I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we, we, we've set our sights so low. If our ambition for life only reaches the level that we can achieve by our own strength, then may I suggest our vision is too low. Let's set our sights higher and rely on the Spirit for what God wants to do. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, he'd spent three years training the guys how to do mission. And he said, I've got a mission for you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But don't you dare go and do this in your own strength. You stay put in Jerusalem, because I want to empower you with the Spirit, and then we'll see the results that we're after. So I think this needs a bit of a change in attitude for many of us. That as we look at our abilities that we bring to the day, we don't disdain and disregard them, but we see them more like that little boy who came up to Jesus with his loaves and fishes and says, this is what I've got. Now, Jesus, what can you do with this? And we rely on him to make use of what we can offer and multiply the effect. We ask for his help. And then that gives us a bit of boldness, doesn't it? To step out beyond our natural abilities. Because if we, if we get so used to relying on what we're able to do by our own strength, then that gives us a bit of fear, a bit of um, trepidation about going for stuff beyond what we're capable of. I think God is calling us to things well beyond what we're capable of by our own strength. And so we have to rely on the Spirit of God. And then thirdly, obey the Spirit. As we're listening to his voice, as we're leaning into him, let's do what he says. You know, Mike Pilavachi said that God's love language is obedience. I think that's a really nice turn of phrase. Walking with the Holy Spirit is an active image. You hear him, you hear the beat of the drum, 
And so you take the step. You hear him, you take the step. What's the Spirit saying to you? What's the step that he's calling you to take right now? You do that. What I resolved when God spoke to me on that bus ride, that mega bus down to that Christian festival that I was going to be baptised at, I resolved as God challenged me on all that stuff that this walk with God wasn't going to be a negotiation. It wasn't going to be that I heard God say something and then I'm like, look, let's have a little chat about that. Let's see which of these things I'm going to do, which ones are practical, which ones are not practical. No negotiation. It's going to be a yes. That's what I resolved on that bus. It's like I'd written yes on a big bit of card. It's like, God, my yes is on the table. So whatever you call, whatever you tell me to do, whatever your spirit says to me, I want in. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. Now, the problem with resolving to say yes to God on whatever he does, or whatever he says, wherever he leads, is I can't do that. By my own strength, I'm not capable. So I can say, God, my yes is on the table, and then next week forget that I ever said that and slip back to what I was doing before. That's the cycle, isn't it? We're in that. I don't do what I want to do. And you know what? Neither can you. And maybe you're hearing me say this. and think, yes, cool. I'm going to resolve. God, yes to everything you say. And where will you be at next week and two weeks from now and next month? But there's a power in the Holy Spirit. And as God fills us with the Spirit, it's not by our own strength trying to live this life. It's by his power in us, his enabling of the Holy Spirit that we can do this, that we can walk in step with him, obeying what he tells us, totally dependent on him. And church, I think this is the life he's calling us to and that he's inviting us into today. So I wonder, will you, invite, will you accept this invitation to a life lived in obedience to the Spirit by the power of the Spirit?